So today's episode is going to be all about the art of gaman. In Japanese, this translates to with great resilience. It's a strategy I've used in all of my writing, in all of my hangups, in all of my breakups, and in everything that I do. Gaman. It's about being the bigger and better person and taking the high road and also learning to accept what you can't change. And instead of making it a big fuss or dramatic, it's about enduring. One of the greatest strategies that I've never actually shared with any of you in making it in my career, um, I would say now I've, I've been in media and publishing fashion and content creation for about 15 years. Endurance has been my secret. Endurance. I can take it. I can compartmentalize it. I can tell people in my mind to fuck off and never work with them again. And I can try my best to learn to shut off a switch in which most people wouldn't be able to tolerate. And I have a story for you, and it's in chapter three of my new book, Kintsugi Wellness. The beginning of it says, Gaman, enduring pain with resilience and tolerance. In 2011, Japan was hit by a devastating series of events. A 9.1 magnitude earthquake, the largest earthquake to ever hit Japan, took place 231 miles northeast of Tokyo. The quake caused a massive tsunami with 30-foot waves damaging several nuclear reactors at the Fukushima Daiichi power plant. The disaster claimed over 22,000 lives and cost billions of dollars in damage. The rest of the world grieved the enormous loss and sent humanitarian aid. And the Japanese people do what they always do. They endured. When your kids in Japan, your parents will instill an incredible amount of discipline in you. And it might be easy to say that a lot of Asian cultures also do the same thing, but you will not disobey your parents and they won't tolerate hunger and they won't tolerate crying and whining. You will listen and you will shut up. And being Japanese-American, this was always a point of conflict between my mother and I. And I love my mother, and I preface that she is my hero and my rock, and she always has been and always will be. But when we were growing up, after childhood, into my adolescence, I was a bad kid. My mother showed me more grace and resilience in my years of being a teen than anybody else I think I ever experienced. And so did my father. And I love my father as well. He is a hero and a man of philanthropic empathy and compassion and heart, even though he comes off as a tough guy, a former military guy and a nuclear auditor, uh, an engineer and a brilliant person. My parents watched me grow up and they probably tolerated a lot and endured a lot. They also didn't tell me how to live. They showed me. There is a term in Kintsugi Wellness at the very beginning of the book. You'll learn a lot about how I was raised as a kid. 
The Japanese have a saying, which translates to children watch by learning what their parents do, not by what their parents say. You know, you don't care about what your parents are telling you when you're a little one, but when you watch them, as I got older, I realized I was raised by two, probably two of the most gracious and empathetic and loving people I could have ever imagined growing up with. But I, I also want to let you guys know that things were not perfect. Wabi sabi, like beyond. The household was different from the beginning of my childhood. And like I had mentioned as a kid, discipline was key. Endurance was key. Resilience, you must be resilient because you didn't have a choice. But we did not talk about these things in our household. You simply showed. And the only way that I think Asian parents actually show their kids affection is um, when you do good or when you do good things, your parents will tell you, okay, this was okay, but it wasn't good enough. And just them showing up to be there for you and to pay the bills and to cook you a hot meal every night and have you sit around the table with them and spend their time with you, that is their form of showing you love. You know, you didn't say I love you verbally when you were growing up in Japan. And I didn't really hear that as a kid. And it wasn't until I got older where I had to experience I was raised by different immigrant parents that didn't tell me how beautiful and smart and funny and fun and witty and creative and amazing and incredible and fabulous I was. I didn't hear any of that. And I don't really care anymore because I don't need to hear that from them. When I see them coming to, say, a, a speaking event or a book launch, which rarely happens, mind you, when I see them buying a book for a friend or asking me to sign a, a copy for my godmother or my dad taking my books to work or my mom sharing it with her Japanese students at school, that's enough to show. So another great part of learning to be resilient and endure is to always show and never tell. And what we find is that is truly the practice of humility. And humility is another thing that we will touch on eventually with Wabi Sabi, but I really want to get into Gaman today because I told you about strategically how resilience and endurance have certainly taught me more lessons, I think, than any other practice in my Japanese upbringing. So growing up a mixed kid in the U.S., which is a lot of us, in the 80s, kind of tough. Like I was born in the early 80s and I thought, what was my life like? And I remembered the pain of being teased for a really long time just for the way that I looked. And I always liked who I was as a person, so I didn't ever want to change. I was a wild child. I loved playing sports. I loved being active. And as I got older... I had to learn how to endure a lot of pain because of the teasing. Um, I rarely told my mom like what happened at school because I was always embarrassed. And my sister was really smart and she got good grades. And I just think I rebelled eventually into my teens because I didn't know how else to get their attention. But I was always good at sports and that was sort of where my outlet came Endurance is, is really a game at the end of the day. I mean, I moved to New York when I was 26 to play the greatest game of my 
career and life. The game of New York is about endurance. Probably the most important people that I've met here in the city, too, also know how to play this game really well. And the funny thing is, is there's a lot of manipulation that gets pulled into publishing and media, and it's not all pretty. And I'll tell you a few stories of what are, where I can remember like great resilience. I probably should have folded my cards if I wanted to continue to be a surfer girl back in Cali eight years ago, but I would have never written the six books that I've wrote. And then I probably should have folded my cards in television and media and hosting, but then I never would have started this podcast. And I probably should have folded my cards when I couldn't pay rent in Brooklyn like six years ago. And I had to ask my own roommate to spot me for like a month. And I paid her back every dime when I got paid. I'm not really sure what it was that kept me going, but teaching cooking classes, writing for everyone I possibly could under the sun, and knowing that I had to do the right thing and pay my roommate back, that was endurance and resilience. I was also judging on Iron Chef America and a talking head on all those cooking channel shows like um, Unique Eats and such. And uh, I didn't get paid to do anything like that. And I had to borrow wardrobe from amazing like friends and contacts who are in the fashion industry here. And out of my own pocket, I would pay hair and makeup. And um, I would always self-fund all of my shoots that I did independently. And I self-funded a website a long time ago um, along with upkeeping great imagery and headshots and photos and links and reels. I mean, cutting a new reel I did every six months because I didn't want anything old and I re-updated my site, I would say once every two years. And I did this because it was a form of endurance through the game of New York. Um, I also have had many instances where I've been bullied And I have been made to feel like I'm not an important person because I'm a female and that I'm not important because I'm not a male chef with a restaurant. (laughs) And the funny thing is, is all the boys that used to really make it in this industry back in the day in food are now coming to me and asking me, how do you create content? How do you shoot your videos? How do you direct produce How do you even use WordPress? Like, how do you build your social following? All of these things that I was bricklaying because I didn't have a choice but to be basically like my own publicist for almost 10 years. All of these things I had to relearn and over each year because they were changing so quickly and teach a lot of the, the boys in my space like how to work it from a social or digital angle and... It doesn't come from just having good representation. It comes from the individual. One of my agents, John Rosen, at the top at William Morris once said that the magic is always in me. And as cliche as that is, it's very true. And there is something quite magical about the word resilience, which goes side by side with gaman. Endurance is like a pace. It's that race that you're running and you never, ever want to stop to break a sweat. I used to run these charity races for Nike back in the day too. I have a story about running shoes. 
Um, I lived in Brooklyn and I had an apartment with a roommate and I was poor. <laughs> I mean, I lived paycheck to paycheck teaching cooking classes at Brooklyn Kitchen and writing for every magazine I could. I do not know how I made enough money to survive. My parents cashed in um, some, I they had some kind of like, funds that they put into the u.s treasury a long time ago and they secretly told me about them and, and it was time to cash them in i had an ira account that i once saved with money in it and it was time to cash that in uh, i had access to getting business loans to pay bills and i did that so anything i did to make ends meet i would see it as an opportunity I did not use credit cards to pay for my bills, and I did not ask my parents to pay my bills. It would be a shame and not very smart of me to ask them for money because I wanted them to thrive because they would be retiring, you know, in the next 10 or 20 years, and I, I want them to have as much as they can possibly have. So my only option was to really find something I loved and to pursue it wholeheartedly and so deeply that nobody could take their eyes off of me. But in preparation to do so, I needed the endurance and the resilience to keep moving forward when I had no money. When you have no money, you will be forced to get very, very creative. So back to the running shoes. I ran races for charity because it felt good to be a part of something. A lot of us are seeking out how to fit in as mixed kids or just immigrant children, things like that. I'm also a child of war, so growing up was always like a little confusing and different and always, it, it, at the same time, wabi-sabi. It's so perfectly imperfect. It just makes sense now. I wouldn't have had it any other way. There was a really nice girl who worked over at Nike PR back in the day who was a friend of a friend and when people saw me on Iron Chef America judging they were like wow like Candace is like legit cool and has a really great job and is definitely like killing it but I didn't have enough money to buy new running shoes the outfits I borrowed were from like Rebecca Ashley and I just knew how to style clothes with very little money because I came from fashion. And sometimes you can style something borrowed that's expensive with something like you could get accessories at Forever 21, for example, or Target and fucking Rocket. No one's going to know the difference. A lot of it's also confidence that you're going to carry. So a lot of people realized um, I was on camera and I was doing well and they saw my the magazines I was writing for. And remember, I was writing for those magazines just to cover rent. They would pay me like $200 to $100 for a story. So I was writing a lot of stories. Majority of them were not paid though, which was the sad part. But as long as people kept seeing your name out there, they would say, wow. So a long time ago, Vita sent me a pair of running shoes. And I said, oh my God, these are so exciting. Um, she sent me like a running outfit and I was so grateful. And I, I wore the running outfit and the shoes in one of my Nike races for charity and uh, flew myself to San Francisco to do the run. I also want you guys to know the majority, meaning like 99.9% .9 of my travel is all out of my own pocket. And it's a lot of saving and a lot of endurance. <laughs> I ran that race and I kept those shoes 
And I think I might still have them in my closet. And there's a picture of them on my website, CandiceKumai.com. I kept the shoes as a reminder of those days when I couldn't afford anything and not even a pair of running shoes. And I actually have closets that are hard to close now because I have so many shoes. And it's not... um, It's not about material things. It's about how far I've come. People send so many things to me now and it's overwhelming. And it's so, I'm so grateful for it. But I have to tell you guys, like the contrast from going to barely paying rent to where I am now is incredible. And I just want to tell you guys that like I'm living proof that you can do anything in your life, but you will have to work for it. And when I'm running those races, I always hate the three-quarter, like, last, like, lap. That it's the one that you have to get through, and I feel like I'm there right now in my life. Like, I feel like I'm at the three-quarter lap where I just want to give up and tell everybody, like, this has not been a fun career. This has been a painful career. And the one thing that I know how to do better than anyone is endure. When people are mad or mean or just awful and they put all their shit on you, come on. And when somebody comes to you and they ask you for all of your contacts that you've worked for your entire career and expect you to hand them to you, come on. And when somebody is rude to you and treats you like shit, come on. Just be the better person. I'm not even going to go there with the stupid (laughs) ex-boyfriend. But come on, also, every day. And I really did not expect to cry during that. But the analogy of, like, the amount of stuff pouring out of these closets here is, like, it's unbelievable. And I really hope that... um, I don't fuck up my makeup, number one, but number two, I hope that you can see and feel like how hard this has been and people have not been nice and and you think that as a public figure that people are nice to you. They're actually quite wretched. And I never, ever got into this industry for material things or for money or fame, but rather to just be creative That young girl that used to travel with mom to Japan as a kid um, found something amazing in Japan and in writing and creating. And I highly recommend that you stick to what you believe is going to take you to the next level. And just remember, when you're in the trenches through Gaman, you can endure with great resilience. So this is what happens when you can't afford a therapist anymore. (laughs) I I invest so much into my company that like, I was like, I'm going to save and not see a therapist for a while. (laughs) Oh God. All right. So getting back to questions now, Instagram questions, we're going to take this to another level. How do you balance cooking so much with not overeating and staying healthy? Um, so this is from Miriam GTG. So Miriam, I do cook every day. Um, and mostly like for myself. So I think the, the big thing is, um, 
you want to make sure that you don't cook too much because it will prevent you from overeating. Use small plates when you're um, cooking for yourself because the bigger the portions look to your eye, the less you'll actually eat. Make sure to be hydrated all the time, like have plenty of water. And then also make sure that when you're cooking, you always add tons of veggies. So when I make pasta, I'll throw a ton of green veggies into the pasta. Or like tonight, I'm going to make salmon. I, I uh, make it with curry, a little bit of honey, um, miso paste, and sometimes like a touch of tahini. And I'll, um, or put like sesame seed crust on it. It's so good. And I top it off of a big bed of greens like lettuce and um, romaine lettuce, cucumbers, avocado. And I make sure to just fill up on tons of watery greens. And I do overeat. So that's like a big, wow, like people don't know that about me thing. I totally do. I think one of the best pods we're going to get into is how my body issues and overeating issues are actually just like yours. And Um, I'm just going to be a little more honest about it than other people because it, it is time. Like I don't want people to have this perception of, of chefs or people in the wellness industry. Like we're perfect. I, I might be in wellness and, and the golden girl of wellness, but I am certainly not a strict wellness person. Like I love living, going to parties, like having fun, dating men, um, and doing bad things. Hmm. Okay. Another question. This is reading with champagne. This is a girl named Sandra. I actually really like her. And she's on Instagram at reading with champagne. Ooh, I think women are talking a lot about self-care, but I think body love is really hard. How do you get comfortable in your body mentally and physically? I thought your goop bath photo was so powerful because you embraced your sexuality in a way that was strong yet comfortable. No one is really talking about that side of self-care. You know what's so funny, Sandra, is that when I posted that goop bath photo, which is on my Instagram, people went crazy and they still talk to me about it. Um, I was naked. I had flowers all over me. It was it was like artwork to me. 25. <laughs> We're going deep. We're going deep in. So thank you for the compliment. You're very, you're incredibly sweet and you're such a woman lover. I love you, Sandra. You're so great. Mentally and physically, I think we need to just be prepared that no one will be perfect for the rest of their life. And into your 30s, you're going to have to get a little more comfortable with your body being not as a plus. And as a fit model, I can speak to that from a professional level and a personal emotional level. I've just accepted that, you know, I, like I said, I used to be very thin and lean and now I'm extremely like curvy in all the right places. But that took a lot of maintenance. So what makes me feel good is working out. I actually only work out for the mental benefits. And the physical benefits just happen to be a really nice side effect of the mental. So Sandra, I get comfortable in my own body by doing acceptance, which is also like endurance and resilience in Gaman. And I also um, am really disciplined in my workout routine. So I don't usually skip days of working out. And if I am going to go to say like, like the other day we had a big Belvedere launch party that I was hosting in the city and I knew I had to like look a plus for that night. So of course I did one of my own cleanses from clean green drinks for a week. And that meant no matcha cookies for a week, which was terrible, but I did it. 
And it, it just, it's a little bit of a balance and a dance. Physically, mentally, you just can't be too hard on yourself. I hate to say that, but you got to let up and you can always get your abs back when you go back to work out. We can talk about workouts on another pod. Um, the goop bath photo. Thank you. It was very risky and there was no hair and makeup team or anything. We just I got into a tub. I had to shoot some goop stuff and it, we got sensual with those flowers and rose petals. And might I add, it is not smart to get into a bathtub with thorns on the roses. Very dumb idea. <laughs> all right. I love you guys. I did not expect to cry on this episode at all. That was gnarly. Clearly, I had to get some stuff out. Um, I'm being honest when I say I'm not going to tolerate people treating me poorly anymore, which has happened for the majority of my adult life. Uh, I've noticed people take advantage of me and try to manipulate me, and they're rude, and I'm going to fucking call them out on it. And the best way you can call somebody out on something is to just never, ever associate with them again. That, my friends, is a way to endure with great resilience, being humble, means to be graceful inside keep things to yourself and if you don't have anything nice to say or if you're not going to treat others nicely then just don't say anything at all thanks guys i hope you get to subscribe to my new pod wabi sabi share it with a friend and definitely send us some love on ratings um and please buy my book kintsugi wellness here we go my mom edited it for you the Japanese art of nourishing mind, body, spirit. She would say, please, maybe you can tell your fans to pick up the book I'm going to share at school. I don't like to tell them to buy, but I think it's a really great book. You know, we tried our best. It really killed me that we found a typo, though. I keep thinking about it all the time. But, you know, autocorrect on the computer. So it wasn't me. Maybe you can find the typo if you buy the book. <laughs> My mom would kill me. Oh my God. No, but truly she is the best. Um, and again, hang in there because shit ain't so bad. The art of Gaman is about being humble and resilient and empathetic towards others. And so in part, just stop being such a fucking shithead.